0: Good morning, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship with you once again. Uh, Had my little break, my little recess, my little time out, and I'm back again for two weeks and then again on first Sunday, and then uh, <clears throat> skip a Sunday, then back on third Sunday in April, and so it's going to be off and on a little bit, but I'm so thankful that you take time to uh, watch and to listen, and uh, I hope any comments you would have, you would just jot them down and send them to Akron Lions Fellowship, 688 Dagner Road, Akron, Ohio. Uh, it's a joy just coming to you and being able to share with you from time to time through this method of communication that God has provided during these days, during these times. I want to speak to you on something that's a little dear to my heart, and uh, I hope I don't ramble too much. I won't be as long as normal, hope not, but uh, it's something that I think all of us as Christians ought to be very, very concerned about, and that is the education of our students. All of our students, but especially those who are called Christian young people and what they're learning. It ought to become something that is very much aware, we have caught the awareness of all of us that we need to do a better job and not here to cast stones at anybody, but to just say that we need to really look at the educational process of Christians. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, that you are a teacher unto us. That whatever we learn, Lord, we truly do learn from you. And we're so thankful that, Lord, you taught carpentry, you taught metalwork, you taught uh, the coloring of the different dyes and how to use them for the tabernacle. You taught Israel many, many different things. And, Lord, you have taught us. Those who have set at your feet have been taught by you many, many different things. And I pray, Father, that as we go through your word, that you might minister to us. But also, Lord, help us to see what's happening in this day and this time to many of our young people who we have turned over into the hands of what we call public school. And would you minister to us, Lord, that we might be more responsible for the education of our children. It is something, Lord, that is needful. So minister to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oftentimes, we are unaware of what's being taught in our public school system. And we send our kids there faithfully, and we should, all of our kids, have a right to an education. And we want to educate them to the best of our ability. But we need to understand something. A good education without the knowledge of the Lord just leads us to in one sense self-independence of the lord because we think and believe okay i got it all now i'm successful i don't need god i can do this on my own the other is the christian who has god's word and is a fanatic with god's word but have no other learning can become very dangerous. And the world does see us sometimes very, very dangerous because we are fanatics in the manner in which they see us going against something or standing up for that which is right. (coughs) So one of the things that is a watchdog today is how Christianity treats or handle the issue of gay marriage, gay lifestyle, lesbianism, or early childhood identification, how the church is going to handle all that. A lot of it comes through a process I believe called education. And somehow we have missed the boat on that. We send our kids to public school from 30 to 35 hours a week, learning how the public school sees family, different lifestyles, different behaviors, and how they're taught publicly. And we're seeing more and more school boards having trouble with parents over what literature is being read, uh, what their Children are being taught about their own identification. Uh, In some places now, you cannot call a girl a girl, a boy a boy. They have to identify themselves. We're all confused in many areas of life. And again, a lot of it is through education. And again, I say to you, we send our kids to public school for 30-35 hours a week, they're in church maybe a good three hours a week. And somehow in that three hours, we're supposed to correct or somehow really establish something that will be able to stand against what the public school has been able to teach for over 30, 35 hours within that week. And we see family structure differently. We see certain moral issues differently. And our young people are being, in a sense, sabotaged by a public school system that has no value for the Word of God. And I understand that every church cannot have a church school per se every church cannot be involved in educating all the kids in their neighborhood i understand that and that's a dilemma then for us who are christians because we are discovering more and more young people or young adults who cannot read no further than about a 7th grade level and yet we are expecting them to read this Bible to be able to discuss the different issues that are brought up in this Bible and to be able to reason and to understand in one way we're just about fighting a losing battle And my question I would pose to you is simply this. What value do you place on education? And I'm not just talking about biblical education, education all the way across the board that I believe the Word of God is involved in all of it. Whether you are counting money, or just doing mathematics or learning your English your grammar your reading your writing this engulfs it all and we need people in the church Who are very well educated, and I'm not saying you have to have doctor's degrees and master's degrees. I'm not saying that. Please understand, my dad had a 12th grade education, but my dad could speak Latin. He could write Latin because that was one of the requirements at Barberton High School when he went to high school. And he still had a few of his Latin books down in the trunk from his high school days. And my dad, I believe, could just sit down and talk with anybody. Had a beautiful handwriting. And I remember at work he used to tell us he never got into a bet with somebody unless he could take a book and show them that he was Right. <laughs> Um, the whole process of education is something all of us in the church world have to begin to look at because it's going to affect the church, the mentality of the church, the teaching ability of the church. All that is going to be affected based on what our kids are learning And who's teaching them? And somewhere we have to do a better job. Now, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. And my question to you is this. How are you applying this verse to your life? The world's philosophy behind this verse may be, I got mine, they've got to get theirs. Um, We don't worry about anyone else. But I got mine, now they have to get theirs. The early slogan for Morehouse men, Morehouse College down in Atlanta, and you're going to hear me speak later about them, but Morehouse College, one of their slogans was to allow yourself to be educated so that you could go back in the community and educate others. But there was that recognition that they first themselves had to have some education in order to educate anyone else and to just wanting to go back into the community. And to be a part of the community and help educate it. And to help bring them to a new level. That is inspiring and somehow we've lost that today. But in this verse, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, he says, let me get right there to it. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with many blows. From everyone who has been given much, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded or required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now, most of us, we go to school, we get our degrees, we, we, we earn our funds and so forth, our money, and we put it up for our future and for our children and our grandchildren. But should it go further than that? For to whom much is entrusted, much more is asked. To whom much has been given, much is demanded. What are you allowing others to demand from you? What are you bringing back to the community? What are you bringing back that really helps or supports others besides yourself? What are you giving back that can be appreciated by others. And that's part of the thing I think that is hurting us today, is that we're not a people who are fascinated in giving back. We're just somehow caught up with this receiving, receiving, receiving. As Christians, We have to come to a place that we want to see every child, every future adult individual capable of handling this word of God and sitting down and having a wonderful discussion about the word of God. I know, again, every church cannot have a church school, per se, and Sunday school is just about gone. I was hearing one talk about that today sometime. Some things that have just been lost by the church, that Wednesday evening service is basically gone because of this COVID-19 and just the time of getting together and really sharpening ourselves with one another. We've lost so much, but how do we regain it? By coming to a place again that we wanna gather ourselves together and teach one another and learn from one another. Many of you know of Morehouse College. How many of you know that Morehouse College in its beginning, that it was specifically created for black young men to help them to receive an education, and it was started by the American Baptist Mission Society. The American Baptist Mission Society, and its original name was Atlanta. Baptist College, Atlanta Baptist College was its original name, and how many of you understand that in the 17th century, education was more of a dream than it was a requirement as it is today. We require it, but we do a very poor job with it in really teaching our children for the next generation and in the 17th century many children were taught from home and when i say they are taught from home they were taught from home the very simple and basic things regarding education and the main two things were reading and arithmetic or math. The other big thing at this time was once you got of age that you could be out working and helping that became your responsibility. Whether it was doing something outside the home to help bring funds into the home or if at that time Working on the farm, if you could lend a hand, working on the farm, you learned how to farm. And school became a secondary or a, or a third thing It wasn't that important. We have to recapture that in this day in which we live, education is vital. The Big New Journal ran an article the other day, United States grew wealthier better educated in second half of 2010s. Well, for the last 10 years, we have more people who are educated and making more money than what we could have ever thought of. But when you really look at that, that is a drop in the bucket compared to how many people are being left behind someplace we have to again begin to value education and we want to teach that. We want to teach those important subjects. That's not saying we leave the Bible out, but that the Bible is critical in all learning. Before this century became, before this country became the United States of America. We need to understand that there was no public education. Public education did not start until 1867. The colonies, if you had 50 people or more in a village or little town, 50 to 100 people, it was expected for you to hire a teacher or at least somebody who could educate the children but that only went just so far. A gentleman by the name of Howard Thurman who became a professor and a pastor, he lived in Daytona, Florida. But in 1913, in Daytona, there was no high school. You only went to the seventh grade. Once you hit the 7th grade, you could not go on to the 8th grade without taking a test, but there was no high school in the town or close by. The nearest high school was some distance away because there was only three high schools in the whole state of Florida. And what took up the slack again was the Baptist churches who began to have private schools or academies for the kids. That took up the slack and in some ways almost forced the public school system to look at starting high schools, especially in populated black areas, we are again facing a critical time when it comes to inner city children or black children, Latinos, any people who live in inner cities to get a decent education. And again, I would say to whom much is given much is required or demanded and i think for us as christians we have to begin to ask that question what is our responsibility what is our responsibility and we have to really look at it all early education basically started from the area of the puritans here in this country Wanting to teach their children morals, but the ability to also read the Bible. It was vital for them that their children would be able to read God's word. Because there comes the whole value system and moral system for the Puritans. That their young people could read the word of God. You know, education comes in a variety of forms. Everybody's not going to go to college. But everybody has to learn to read and and to write and do math. The whole process, every church that has the ability to start something that can help these young people. Should do it. Should do it. Howard Thurman, again, a professor, a minister, Baptist minister, first pastor in the United States to ever really, African American pastor, to pastor a multicultural church in California. He wrote a letter years ago to Mr. James <coughs> to Mr. James Gamble of Procter & Gamble. So he was going to be leaving Daytona, Florida to go to high school but he was going to be living with a cousin some miles away and he was short on funds. And he wasn't able to eat every day while going to school. And he found Mr. Gamble's address because he understood this man had helped other young men in their education. And he wrote him and asked if he would sponsor him with $5 a month for nine months. And he got an answer back that he would receive $5 every first of the month in order that he might be able to go to school and eat. Again, this man later in life became one of the outstanding professors at Boston University. He had the privilege of teaching also Martin Luther King, Jr. And Martin Luther King, Jr. carried one of his books with him wherever he went. And This man made a huge difference. But it comes because of the Baptist academies in Jacksonville and other areas around Florida that got involved in the educational process of young people. And history tells us that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, also started a school of prophecy. Not so much to teach them a certain message about God, but that how to handle that message and to know God's word, to know the law at that time, but what God would give them as a message that they would be faithful in delivering that message. And that they would live such lives that God could use them in sharing his message with his people. In my understanding from history, Samuel's school went on from the time that Samuel started it until the close of the Old Testament. What you go to ask with me, Why don't you see a gentleman who helps Paul And we need to understand, Paul was not always somebody that was Paul. He was a young man who also had to grow up, but he grew up with a teacher. He grew grew up learning, being educated. Now, I think that's one of the biggest things about why Paul winds up writing a large portion of the New Testament because of his educational background. <clears throat> now, there are those things that happened here in Acts. But this one person stands up and he begins to speak, but his voice was heard. They, his voice was heard because of who he was. A very educated individual for that day. Says in 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee, in verse 34, Acts five thirty-four, But a Pharisee, by the name of Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored. Catch that. He was honored by all the people. There was a high respect for this man because of his education, because of his knowledge. And that has to be turned even to Christianity. We cannot be seen as fanatics about homosexuality or lesbian or or this thing or, or that thing, but we ought to see this as lust out of control, the desires of people out of control. We're created sexual beings, but it's within limits and boundaries. And we don't want to stay in those boundaries or in those limits that God has placed upon us. We want to do what we want to do and how we want to do it, with whom we want to do it. And we need to see this lust out of control. And the Lord has been dealing with me that for some time now. That is not so much about homosexuality or lesbian or transgender or. or di- it's lust, lustfulness, out of control. And the only one who can bring that under control is the Holy Spirit. Is a man who loves the Lord, a woman who loves the Lord, and love God enough that the lustfulness or the strong desire for it does not control the individual. But coming back, that is something that has to be taught from a very young age, from a very young age. Can't wait until somebody, 15, 16, 17 years old, to begin to teach them how to control themselves and who they are. <coughs> but it says here about this Pharisee Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all people, highly respected <coughs> by the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put out of, be put outside. For a little while. Then he addressed them. Men of Israel. Consider carefully. What you intend to do with these men. And they heard him. And they respected. His voice. There's something about someone who knows. What they're talking about. How other people give heed to them. They also need to understand. He was a famous Jewish teacher. He was a famous Jewish teacher. Gamaliel was a famous teacher within Jewish philosophy. And tradition lists him among the leaders in the school, especially the school of Pharisee. Now, in Acts 22, (coughs) you'll turn over there with me, Acts 22, you're going to find this that Paul studied under this man. Look what Paul says in verse 3. He says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a Sicily, of Cilicia, but brought up in the city under I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Paul had an excellent education. But education... On just one side, whichever side of the coin you want to flip on by itself can become dangerous. Paul had the education and he knew many philosophies, but he knew not the Lord Jesus Christ or the Word of God. And Paul was a very dangerous man. But with the knowledge of God added to it and the Word of God added to it, what he had already learned, it changed Paul and how Paul saw things. And the teaching that Paul had underwent changed. <clears throat> and we need to see that. Here's Gamaliel, who is a, in a sense, a non-Christian. And maybe you've heard some of the teachings of Christ. But at this point, a a non-Christian who teaches one and prepares him in such a manner that God is going to take what he has taught him, add to it, and use him in mighty ways. We never know where a young man or woman is going to wind up at. We never know what impact we will have on their life. We'll never know that. Maybe on this side. But boy, God blesses us sometime that we can see people make that transition and grow and use it in the community and for the glory of God. We're able to see that sometime. And Paul studied under Gamaliel and he studied also with the Lord Jesus Christ. And put those two things together. Made him the mighty servant that he is. Now. You and I have to really ask ourselves. Because I hear so many people say. I'm not a teacher. You're always teaching in life. You're a teacher by example. You're a teacher by how you live. You're always teaching either by what you're doing, what you're saying, in a classroom, and everybody's not going to wind up in a classroom. But we should have a desire to provide a type of classroom for our young people that allow them to really learn. To learn of the things of this world, to learn of the things of this life, but blend it with the temperament of the scripture. To allow real truth to be understood. So in Matthew 28, because I believe Jesus Christ, he taught in the synagogue. He taught in the streets. He taught children. He taught adults. Jesus was a teacher and many of them called him teacher, rabbi, teacher. And he tells us now he wants us to do something. It's strange that on the mission field, we can go out and we can teach English classes or we can go out and teach other type classes in many areas over in different countries. Our denomination have started schools uh, and we're training pastors and we've even started some uh, elementary type schools, smaller school for the kids and so forth. But when we come back home, we're so dependent upon public school that is so against this word of God. That it seemed like somehow it would stir up every Christian to say, I want more for my child. I want my child to really be in an environment where they're not going to have to struggle with their identity. They know who they are. They're a young man. They're a young girl. They know certain standards of God, and they're learning those. And they're not having to try to put in their mind without anything to really argue against it. Okay, this man who says he's this when he's a man, and this woman who says she's this when she's a woman, and and this young child who doesn't know if he's a he or she or what, we got all this confusion. Now, catch this point. It all comes from a lack of educating properly. Educating properly. Our kids are being educated, but they're being educated wrongly. And even in the church today, a lot of our young people don't see anything wrong with having sex outside of marriage. They don't see anything wrong with two men sleeping together or two women sleeping together and and what makes up a family. They don't have the educational background on that. They have what the public school has taught them, but nothing that we really concretely have taught them. So in Matthew, and many of you may be quite familiar with this, but there's, here's that word that I want to draw out, teach. In Matthew 28, and go to verse 19 with me. and 20, he says, therefore, go and make disciples. Now, we're going to go out and make something. We're going to develop. We're going to bring somebody to the Lord. And he said, you make disciples. And what is a disciple? He's someone who's learning from someone. You go out and you make disciples. Now, you got to take time to teach them. Now you got to be able to have a place for them to be taught. When I look at the Seventh day Adventist, most African American Seventh day Adventist churches that I find, they also have a school or a school close by. Muslims have a school or a school close by. Many Jewish synagogues have a school or again, a school close by. Christianity, we're losing that. We're losing that, especially among the African American population. To educate our young people. Yes, it's hard to even get them into the church, but they may come for education and parents may wanna put them in a good place for education. But the question so many Christians have, should we be wasting our money in this fashion? First of all, you're a steward of God. It's not your money, it's God's money. Secondly, he that has the ability to do and yet is not willing to do. Boy, for he who has been given much, there's a requirement, there's a demand that you do give, you do help provide for someone who is not as fortunate as you are. And he says, you're going to go make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now catch verse 20, and teach, and teaching them to obey everything. Now, when you're making a disciple, is that somebody Nine years old, is that somebody 13 years old, 14 years old? Is that somebody that you're going to educate? And I went to kind of like really hone in on something here. I don't think this teaching is just about the Bible. It's about life. It's equipping a person for everything they have need of in life. Yes, this is a necessary thing here. This Bible, this Word of God, it is life. We cannot take learning from a college, public setting, even a Christian setting, without this. We need this to further help. Demonstrate and explain the knowledge that God has granted for us to learn. How do we implement it? How do we share it? Because it's not just about self. And he says you're going to teach them to obey everything, everything, Everything pertaining to life, everything involved in life. God is over it all. And we are to teach. We are to teach good mannerism. We are to teach good behavior. We are to teach against those things that the world may say, okay, you can do it. You're free to do it. That is wrong. But that doesn't start after someone is 19, 25, 30 years old. That needs to start very, very early in age. And he says, teaching. Teaching. Now, in John 14 26, it says the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And I know sometimes we keep that right within the structure of, again, this word. Well, when God was teaching them how to do metalwork, how to do carpentry, how to mix the different colors or dye and so forth to get the colors for within the temple, when God was teaching them all the different things that they did not learn in Egypt, it just wasn't this. For God teaches practical life, everyday life. He teaches us everything that we need in life. If you need a mechanic, God teaches him in training. If you need an air conditioning man, God's teaching and training. If you need an architect, God's teaching and training. See, we've taken God out of so many areas that the only place we find God is in church. And a lot of churches have put God out of that. We gotta be willing to make the sacrifice in order to educate and to teach a next generation. Go with me to Psalm seventy one seventeen. <coughs> Psalm seventy one seventeen. <coughs> we need to understand it starts at a very, very young age and you cannot start early enough mom and dad as soon as you can you want to start teaching and you want them to know that this is part of what god has ordained for you to learn satan's going to teach all the wrong things satan's going to take everything that god has given us for good And he's going to turn it around for them, for our young people. And they'll be confused on how they are to even use this thing. In verse 17, in Psalm 71, he says, since my youth. Since when? My youth. Since I was a young child, God starts to mold and shape and to teach. He brings other people into your life. He bought a Mr. Beeler. He bought a Bailey. He bought a Miss Jackson. He bought a teacher in first grade, Miss Hope, who followed me all the way through the twelfth grade, basically, even through college. Cause I would go over. I'm a grown man. I'm forty something years old, still washing her windows. Starts at a young age. Learning. Proper learning. Learning that is not going to corrupt the mind or destroy the person, but learning that's going to build character. Learning that's going to help lay a solid foundation to build upon. He says, it starts in the youth. Since my youth, O God, You have taught me. God was teaching him before he was aware of God. And God was teaching you before you were aware of God. And I know God was teaching me and keeping me before I was really aware of him. And he says that whole thing you you started when I was young. And that's where we have to start. In the area where they're young. Go to Psalms one hundred nineteen, one seventy-one, 171. <coughs> verse 171. <in> Psalm 19. <coughs> and listen to what he's going to share with us here. Oh, let me get there. He says... May my lips overflow with praise. For you teach me your decrees. God is a teacher. God is a teacher. God will expand the mind. God will allow you to explore. God will teach you history. And God will give you wisdom. God will teach you. Because life is a lifelong learning experience. Now once you go to Ecclesiastic in closing here, because we need to understand that God is imparting knowledge to us. And need to know something else. God teaches, but so does Satan. The demons teach and they use ungodly people in our society and in this world who have all the best intentions and who love doing what they're doing but just don't have the word of God to know how to do it correctly. And we need to understand that people can have the best intentions but teach the wrong thing. Planned parenthood has, in one sense, good intentions, just going about it the wrong way. In twelve nine, he says, Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge. Everyone who teaches and is imparting knowledge. Everyone who is showing you something or helping you to develop or build character or helping you to learn this or to learn that is imparting some type of knowledge. Even the proper knowledge of handling a gun And one of the worst things that we've done in the state of Ohio is passed this foolish law that you need not to have a license to carry a gun, nor do you have to be trained about a gun. In the military, they train you how to use a gun more than just pulling the trigger. But they train you how to use it. And now we're saying people can go get a gun with no training, no license, no knowledge of it or the real dangers of it or all the different mistakes that they can make with it. It's like telling our children to have sex but protect yourself. How foolish. There's danger in these things. There's danger there if we are not taught properly. And I know some of you may say, well, I'm trying to overemphasize something. And yes, I am. Because I am seeing a people being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you open your eyes, you will also see it. A people or people being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We have an awesome task before us to teach and to teach correctly. To teach not in latter years, but in early years to start as soon as possible with teaching young people and to carry that on out through even as they age, that they are always learning about life and the things of God and how to correct themselves in life by the word of God. We have to at some point really Acknowledge that we have a greater responsibility as Christians over the educational process of our children. I'm not against public school. I'm against what public school sometimes will allow teachers to teach in public school. were in a Christian setting that would most likely never be taught as something right. But would be seen as what Scripture calls it sin. So would you pray with me? I don't know how much more time God will give me on this earth. I hope I live long enough to see us start. a grade school at Akron Lions Fellowship. We're not a big school. We're not a big church. We're we're not large in numbers. We average between 45 to 60 people on a Sunday. But it's not about our numbers or the size church we are. It's all about the God we serve and what he would have us to do. And if he wants us to do this, then he will provide. It won't be a bed of roses. It won't be easy. It will be a difficult task. But the people of God have need of it. And the promise of my God is that he will provide all of our needs he'll meet all of our needs that we have according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That we don't do it for vain glory or selfish reason, but we do it for those young Christians whose minds are being destroyed in public schools. We're doing it for the future of his church, that there will be people who can really problem-solve with their mind and make good, sound decisions. We're doing it that his church might be able to shine and to continue to help others. Would you pray with us about this? And again, if there's something you can do to help us, would you pray about it and see how God would lead you? I don't think God would have us to beg, but he would have us to share the information and to share our hearts concerning it. God bless you and may God keep you. Bye. This is not a sad note. This is a joyful time, really, in one sense. Because it's going to be a time to see what God will do. That's what's exciting. To yet see, at age 76, as Caleb said, Lord, give me my land. Lord, give me whatever you would have us to do. Lay it on my heart. Strengthen me to do it. And strengthen your people to do it. For your glory and for your praise. Lord, thank you for your loving kindness. May you bless this time. where you bless the hearers of it. May you, oh God, show forth your glory. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Amen.